Sherlock Holmes. We present Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes and David Buck as Dr. Watson in a new dramatization of the short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. The Disappearance of Lady Frances Carfax, dramatized by Michael Bakewell, with Brian Blessed as the Honorable Philip Green. But quite Turkish. Turkish? But my boots are English homes. I got them at Latimer's in Oxford Street. Not your boots, Watson, the bath. But you were staring at my boots. Why the relaxing and expensive Turkish bath, rather than the invigorating homemade article? Oh, because for the last few days I've been feeling rather rheumatic. <laughs> my old war wound, I suppose. But how can you tell that I have visited the Turkish bath by looking at my boots? It's childishly simple. You're in the habit of doing up your boots in a certain way. Today they are tied in an elaborate double bow, which is not your method at all. Ah. Someone therefore has tied them for you. A bootmaker or the boy at the bath. Your boots are nearly new, so what remains? The bath. But if I cannot suggest a cure for your rheumatism, I can propose a diversion. What is that? A trip to Lausanne. With first-class ticket and all expenses paid on a princely scale. <laughs> Splendid, but why? One of the most dangerous classes in the world, Watson, is the drifting and friendless woman. <laughs> she is the inevitable inciter of crime in others. She has sufficient means to take her from country to country and from hotel to hotel. She is a stray chicken in a world of foxes. And when she's gobbled up, she's hardly missed. I fear that some evil has come... To Lady Frances Carfax. Ah, and it is she who is... Yes, Lady Frances is the sole survivor of the direct family of the late Earl of Rufton. She was left with limited means, but with some very remarkable old Spanish jewellery to which she was firmly attached. So attached that she always carried the pieces about with her. A beautiful woman, Watson. Still in fresh middle age, and yet by a strange chance, the last derelict of what 20 years ago was a goodly feat. But what has happened to her? That's our problem. For the past four years, it has been her invariable custom to write every second week to Miss Dobney, her old governess who lives in Cornwall. Nearly five weeks have now passed since her last letter from the Hotel National at Lausanne. She seems to have left there and given no address. But surely she had other correspondence besides her old governess. There's our bank, Watson. Single ladies must live, and their passbooks are compressed diaries. <laughs> the last check but one paid her bill in Lausanne, but it was a large one and probably left her with cash in hand. Only one check has been drawn since. To who? And where? To uh, Miss Marie de Vigne. It was cashed at the Crédit Lyonnais in Montpellier less than three weeks ago. But who is Miss Marie de Vigne? That, at least, is no problem. She was the maid of Lady Frances Carfax. Ah. Why she should have paid her this check, we have not yet... I have no doubt, however, that your researches will clear the matter up. Yes. 
My researches? When you visit Lausanne. <laughs> For your help? But you know I cannot possibly leave London while old Abraham is in such mortal terror of his life. Besides, on general grounds, it's best that I should not leave the country. Scotland Yard feels lonely without me. And it causes an unhealthy excitement among the criminal classes. <laughs> Go then, my dear Watson, and if my humble counsel could ever be valued at so extravagant a rate as tuppence a word, it awaits your disposal night and day at the end of the Continental Telegraph. Ah, Monsieur Watson, she seemed not to have a care in the world. I thought Lady Carfax was going to stay for the whole season. And then to leave like that, with only one single day's notice, I was desolated. But of course, I had no alternative but to charge her for a week's rest. <laughs> and this married Vine, can you tell me anything about her? The maid of Lady Carfax. She was most popular with everyone in the hotel, ah. particularly with Jules. Jules? Jules Vibar, one of my educators. They were affianced. Ah. I will ring for him. Well, there is one other matter, Monsieur Mosey, on which you can perhaps throw some light. I, I believe that Lady Frances had some particularly valuable pieces of jewellery with her. Not to my knowledge, monsieur. At least she never asked me to deposit anything for her in the hotel safe. Uh, ah, but I do remember that one of the maids mentioned a heavy trunk in her bedroom that was always closed with a key. Ah. It was just got, if you understand. Uh, but, eh. Uh, Monsieur Mosey? Ah, Jules, this is an English gentleman, Monsieur Watson, who is making inquiries about Lady Carfax. It seems she has disappeared. I was hoping that you, I was hoping that you might be able to explain the reason for her sudden departure from Rosanne. C'est une sauvage. Forgive me, Monsieur. It was this Englishman, very tall, with a big black beard. He surprised her one day by the lake. He came to the hotel. He was most persistent, but she would not talk to him. I think she was frightened of him. Excellent. Monsieur? <laughs> now, uh, Monsieur Vibar, I understand that you were uh, <laughs> closely acquainted with Lady Frances Carfax's maid, Mademoiselle Devine. Oui, monsieur. Can you suggest any reason why she should have left her ladyship's service? Monsieur? Not to say. Uh, forgive me, monsieur, but if you wish to know about that, you should go to Montpellier. I will give you her address. Uh, thank you. I understand. Uh, th there is one thing I can tell you, monsieur. Oh, what's that? Where Lady Carfax went after she left here. Splendid. She was very secretive about it. I, I think she did not want that big bearded fellow to follow her. But she went to Baden in Germany. They made such a devoted pair, Lady Frances Carfax and Frau Schlesinger. <laughs> Every day they would sit together on the veranda with the good Herr Doctor, studying a map of the Heiliger Land. <laughs> the, the, the what? The Holy Land, Herr Watson, Holy Land. <laughs> well, the good Herr Doctor was writing a study of the Königreich of the Midianites. <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> yes, well, uh, 
Thank you. You've been most kind. Uh, look, I must send a cable to my colleague in London. Ah. Could you send the boy over? He can take it to the post office. Oh, of course, Sir Watson. Mr. Sherlock Holmes, B. Baker Street, London. Uh, let me see. <clears throat> Lady Frances C. left the English Hof Baden for England three weeks ago in company of missionary from South America, Dr. Slazinger and wife. She was helping the doctor in his convalescence from a rare tropical disease. Herr Watson, Herr Watson, I surely didn't see this. Well, I had uh, remembered something else. Oh, what's that? You are not the only person making inquiries after Lady Carfax. Only oh. last week, there was a man here. No, no, an Englishman uh -huh. with a big black beard. Uh, Exactly, Herr Watson. A huge bearded man with wild eyes. That is most important. I must leave tomorrow morning. Would you be so kind as to arrange a railway ticket for me to Montpellier? It shall be done, Herr Watson. <laughs> but center of whole mystery is vast. Bearded Englishman of whom I spoke in my last cable. He is pursuing her with relentless vigor. Please describe Slazinger's left ear. Holmes. Oh, I suppose that's meant to be amusing. Is there a reply, Hamilton? Uh, no. Uh, nine. Uh, it's uh, just my friend's idea of a joke. Uh, uh, here. Oh, uh, thank you, Hamilton. I was most sorry to leave the service of Lady Frances, but I knew that she was safe with the missionary and his wife. Uh, and, uh, forgive me asking, Mademoiselle Levine, uh, <clears throat> did you part on good terms? Not entirely, monsieur. Oh. Someone was poisoning her mind against me. She suspected my honesty. She questioned me about money. I had been with her for four years. I was going to marry Jules, so sooner or later I would have had to leave her. And then, after all that, she gave me a check for 50 pounds as my wedding present. Yes, we know all about that. Now then, my dear, uh, what can you tell me about a mysterious bearded Englishman who came to Lausanne in search of Lady Frances? Oh, she feared him. He was a fierce and terrible man. I don't know what mysterious power he had over her, but... Oh! What is it? He's there. Yes, I shall confront the scoundrel instantly. Oi! 
with me. You're an Englishman. What if I am? May I ask what your name is? No, you may not. Sir, where is the lady Francis Carfax? Are you out of your mind? What have you done with her? Why are you pursuing her? I insist on the last You damn swine! Take your hands off me! Ah, ah, let me go! Let me go! Help! Oh, she go! Oh, move! Move! Oh, that will do, Watson. You've made a pretty hash of it all. I rather think you'd better come back with me to London by the night express. Oh, is it you? I thought it best to head you off at the next possible point. I've been sitting in that cabaret in this ginger part for the past hour. Uh, let us go back to your hotel. I wish to leave a note at the desk. Right. Come along. Your investigation has at least been consistent in one respect. I cannot recall any possible blunder which you have omitted. The total effect of your proceedings has been to give the alarm to everyone and yet to discover nothing. Perhaps you could have done better. There is no perhaps about it. I have done better. End up. Sir, but this is the man who attacked me. It was you who attacked me, sir. I had your note, Mr. Holmes, and I have come. But what is this man to do with the matter? Uh, this is my old friend and associate who is helping in this affair. Dr. Watson. May I present the Honorable Philip Green? Dr. Watson? Oh, my apologies, sir. When I heard you speak of Francis like that, I, I quite lost control. The, the, the fault was mine. And equally mine. Now, Mr. Holmes, your note said that you were investigating Francis' disappearance for old Susan Dobney. Indeed. Miss Dobney remembers you very well, Mr. Green. It was in the days before... before you found it better to go to South Africa. Yes, I can see I need hide nothing from you, Mr. Holmes. Mm -hmm. I love Francis Carfax as no man ever loved woman. But she would have none of me. I was wild. I had knocked around the world, and she was as pure as snow. And yet, Mr. Holmes, she loved me well enough to stay single all these years. While you were in Africa? Yes, I made a fortune there. I heard that she was still unmarried. Thought that the years might have changed her attitude toward me. I returned and traced her to Luzard. She softened a little at first, but her will was too strong. She fled to Baden. I reached there too late. But then I heard that her maid was living in Montpellier. But for God's sake, Mr. Holmes, tell me what has become of her. That is to find out. Now, what is your London address, Mr. Green? Uh, the Langham Hotel will find Then may I recommend that you return there and be on hand in case I should want you. Here's my card. Watson and I will return to London by the night express where I hope news will be awaiting us. Telegram, Holmes. What does it say? Uh, jagged or torn? Ah. What on earth can that mean? Everything. You remember my telegram to you about the missionary's left ear? Yes. <laughs> I thought it was one of your jokes. Yeah. Fortunately, I sent a duplicate to the manager of the Englisher Hope. 
But what does it show? It shows, my dear Watson, that we're dealing with an exceptionally astute and dangerous man. The Reverend Dr. Schlesinger is none other than Holy Peters, one of the most unscrupulous rascals that Australia has ever evolved. His ear was badly bitten in a saloon fight in Adelaide in 89. Hence my telegram. But what made you suspect that it was he? His particular speciality is the beguiling of lonely ladies by playing upon their religious feelings. And his so-called wife, an Englishwoman called Fraser, is a suitable helpmeet. They will stick at nothing, Watson. That Lady Frances is already dead is very possible. If not, she's undoubtedly in some sort of confinement. Now, all my instincts tell me that she's in London. And as we have at present no possible means of telling where, we can only take the obvious steps, possess ourselves in patience, and wait for Mrs. Hudson to serve dinner. Mr. Holmes, is there nothing further we can do? A practice rogue like Holy Peters can vanish among the crowded millions of this city as if he had never lived, Mr. Green. <sighs> the Strade has all his available men on the case of Scotland Yard. My own small force of Baker Street irregulars is scouring the capital. Every criminal resort which Peters might approach is closely watched. <laughs> ah, see who it is, Watson. Be a good chap. Ah. One of your men. Oh, yes, yeah, show me, Watson, show me. Well, Wilkins? You know, Bennington, the pawnbrokers on the Westminster Road? Yes. Well, they received this bit of jewellery this morning. They thought it might be what you were after. I've, I've got it here. Silver and gilt pendant, does it mean anything to you, Mr. It belongs to Francis, Mr. Holmes. The style is quite individual. There can be no doubt of it. Who brought it in? Who well, said he looked like a clergyman. Did he notice his ear? His what? Ah, yes, no matter. You've done well, Wilkins. Here's a florin for you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. Yes, off you go and keep your eyes open. Oh. Well, they've shown their hand at last. We shall have them now. But they may have killed her. It's certain that they cannot let her loose without incriminating themselves. We must prepare for the worst. Is there anything I can do? Well, yes, I think there is something. Ah. Peter doesn't know you by sight. Mm -hmm. If he got a fair price at Bevington's pawn shop, he would probably go back to it. I'll arrange for you to wait somewhere in the shop. If the fellow comes, you will follow him home. But no indiscretion, mind, and above all, no violence. Mr. Holmes, we've got them, I'm sure of it. Yes, it was a woman this time. But the pendant she brought was the fellow of the other. She's tall and pale, I've got the ferry. That is our lady. When she left the shop, she went up the Kennington Road. I followed her. Hmm. She went into an undertaker's, Mr. Holmes. Well, I went him after her. She was talking to the woman behind the counter. It is late, I heard her say. The woman replied that it should be there soon. It took longer being out of the ordinary, she said. They both stopped and looked at me. I asked some question and left the shop. You did excellently well. I followed the woman back to 36 Pulteney Square, Brixton. I watched the house for nearly half an hour, and then a covered van drew up. Two men took something out of the back and carried it up the steps. It was a coffin. Ah, I wanted to rush in, Mr. Holmes, but I remembered my promise to you and came directly back here. Pass me a sheet of paper, will you, Watson? We can do nothing without a warrant. And you can best serve the cause, Mr. Green, by taking this note down to Inspector Lestrade at Scotland Yard. But they may murder her in the meantime, if she's not dead already. 
We'll do what we can. Not a moment will be lost. Watson and I will leave for Pulteney Square straight away. What time did the undertaker say the funeral will be? Uh, eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Everything open at above board, but how have they managed it? Could they have forged a death certificate? Uh, I fear it is more likely that they have done her to death in some way which has deceived the doctor and simulated a natural end. We shall know soon enough. Pull up here, cabby. Are you armed, Watson? I have my stick. Well, well. We shall be strong enough. We simply can't afford to wait for the police. We'll just take our luck together as we have occasionally done in the past. Well, what do you want? I am Sherlock Holmes. I want to speak to Dr. Schlesinger. There's no such person here. Well, I want to see the man who lives here, whatever his name is. Come in, then. My husband is not afraid to face any man in the world, oh. as you will see. Henry, there's a Mr. Sherlock Holmes inquiring about the Dr. Slazinger. Gentlemen, there is uh, surely some mistake. There is no Dr. Schlesinger here. You must have been misdirected. That will do. You are Henry Peters of Adelaide, alias the Reverend Dr. Schlesinger of South America and Baden. What have you done with Lady Frances Carfax? <laughs> oh, I'd be very glad if you could tell me where the lady may be. She attached herself to Mrs. Peters and me at Baden. I even paid her fare to London. And then she gave us a slip, leaving us with a few paltry trinkets which the dealer would hardly look at. I have a bill against her for nearly a hundred pounds. You find her, and I'm your debtor. I mean to find her. I'm going through this house until I do. Where's your warrant? This gun is my warrant. It will have to serve until a better one comes. Fetch a constable, Annie, quickly. We haven't got much time, Peter. Where is the coffin which was brought into the house? The coffin is in use. It's no concern of yours. I must see it. Never with my consent. Then without it. You, you regret this. Ah, you didn't have far to look. Help me with the lid, Watson. Thank God. It's someone else. You, you blundered badly for once. Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Who is this woman? She is my wife's old nurse, Rose Spender. We heard she was at Brixton Workhouse Infirmary. We brought her round here, called in Dr. Hersom of 13 Furbank Villas. Mind you, take the address, Mr. Holmes, and had her carefully tended as Christian folks should. <laughs> After three days, she died of senile decay. Can you pick any hole in that, Mr. Holmes? I am going through your house, Peters. Are you not? Well, Cynthia, about that. that. We are in here, my dear. Mr. Holmes, sir. Dr. Watson. These men have fought their way into my house, Sergeant. I'm sorry, gentlemen, but you can't stay here without a warrant. Of course, Sergeant, I quite understand that. What are you waiting for? Arrest them! We know where to lay our hands on these gentlemen, if they are wanted. I'll come with you to the door, Mr. Holmes. Very well. I'm sorry, Mr. Holmes, but that is the law. I expect there's a very good reason for your presence. The magistrate's signature cannot be obtained until tomorrow morning. Law has no sense of urgency in these matters, Watson. What do you propose to do? Pray for patience. Peter's story has proved to be substantially correct. And yet I cannot fathom his purpose in taking away a dying old woman from the workhouse. 
Christian charity is not a virtue I would expect to find in holy Peter. <laughs> well, you've got sleep you can, Watson. I shall try a pipe or two. See if I can get to the bottom of the matter. Oh, 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 oh. Get up at once quickly, man. It's life or death, oh. and a hundred chances on death. Oh, what, what has happened? We must stop that funeral. It's 7.20 now, and the burial is time for eight. Oh. Hurry, man, hurry! What has become of my brain, Watson? Why couldn't I see it before? I, I still don't understand. The coffin, Watson, the coffin. Do you remember the conversation Green overheard in The Undertaker's it took longer being out of the ordinary. Eight o'clock. Faster now! Faster! I'll never forgive myself if we're too late. Never. I is, Mr. Jones. And clear as it, it's such a heavy coffin for such a frail old lady, Mr. Nightingale. Aren't you hurrying, Mr. Nightingale? We're late enough as it is. We mustn't be hurrying, Mr. Peters. He wouldn't be decent. He's past the cares of time. Take back that coffin! Take it back into the house! What the devil do you mean? Take no notice of him! He has no warrant. The warrant is on its way. The coffin will remain in the house until it comes. Do as he says, Mr. Timmins. Oh. Take the coffin back upstairs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Lay it on the table, please, gentlemen. Quick, what's There's a screwdriver. Here's one for each of you, my men. A sovereign if the lid comes off in a minute. No, 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 no. Ask no questions. Work away. Again. And again. And again. Yes, give me. Give me. And it's done. All together. She gone, Watson. Surely we're not too late. Leave me with her. I will do what I can. A double coffin. Never in all my experience have I seen anything like it, Mr. Holmes. So that Peters could bury two bodies under one certificate. Clever device. It is new to me in the annals of crime. There's a constable downstairs with a warrant, Mr. Holmes. Uh, the birds have flown. Peters and his woman made off while we were struggling with the coffin. If our ex-missionary friends escape the clutches of Lestrade, I shall expect to hear of some brilliant incidents in their future career. Well, Watson, Lady Frances will live. Ah. I think we should send a message to our friend at the Langham Hotel. He will best know how to take care of us. An excellent notion. Well, Mr. Dattingale, I think you can proceed now with your funeral. The poor old woman in that coffin can go to her last resting place alone.
was Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes and David Buck as Dr. Watson in The Disappearance of Lady Frances Carfax by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Dramatized radio by Michael Bakewell. The Honorable Philip Green was played by Brian Blessed. Holy Peters by Bruce Beebe. Mrs. Peters, Joy Stewart. Viva, Roger Hume. Wilkins, Gene Rogers. Marie, Hedley Nicholas, the German hotel manager, Harold Caskett, and Mr. Timmins, George Woolley. The play was directed in our Birmingham studios by Roger Pine. <laughs>